Welcome to She Bought the DVD, the podcast where every week we are watching one movie from our mother's giant collection. I'm your co-host, Jaylene. And I'm Violet. And this week, what movie did we watch? We watched Dog Day Afternoon. And neither of us have heard of this film, and I couldn't even picture the cover of this DVD. No, you brought it up here, and I was surprised to see what it looked like. Yeah, it's it's one of those DVD. I don't know how to describe this. It's not one of those DVD cases that like open. It has that like tab thing that you flip open on the side. It's paper. It's it's a cardboard yeah. DVD case. And then unfortunately, it hasn't seen a great life because um, the little holder for the disc in the inside part of it's broken. So oh, the disc doesn't stay. stay. Yeah. And then I've just noticed that there's a chip on the corner as well. It's not the end of the world. It's still is functional yeah the dvd worked i was a bit concerned because when i took the wrapper off all of a sudden i heard the dvd move and i was like oh Oh, no yeah yeah yeah. so wait this was wrapped it was wrapped okay bought for 7.99 oh excellent deal for the (laughs) level of entertainment that you're gonna get uh and after looking at it for a little while um the dvd cover it's been in our collection for quite some time. Yes, I recognize like the spine of it, but I do not recognize the front of it at all. But it definitely has been in our collection a while. Yeah, it definitely came from the old house. Yeah, Th- that's how old this film is. And when I pulled it, mom, of course, asked me what DVD it was. And I said, Dog Day Afternoon. And she said, that's a great movie. Yeah. And it was. It's Phenomenal. We were definitely pleasantly surprised with an unknown pick to both of us. Yeah. And it definitely performed very well. When we briefly looked it up before, like when we announced it last week, we had seen that it was um, Al Pacino. So you can't go wrong with Al Pacino. First Al Pacino film that I've watched. I think so myself as well. So I only know him by name and his established regard. But in the sense of watching his films, I, I know nothing about him. Yeah. But right off the bat as well, it's mentioned that it's uh, Oscar nominated. It's well regarded in the film. It like, had 14 something or sorry, uh, 21 nominations in total. It won one Oscar. Sorry. It was only nominated for one, two, three, four, five, eight, six, six things at the Oscar won okay. one. But like the other awards, everything else that goes along with it, it was... It was definitely nominated and won in categories. Yeah. So it was definitely well worth those films. I keep forgetting as well. This is a note to myself, but also just as a preface, I keep forgetting to compare what was up against the nominations when we do actually get, Mm. because that would kind of like inform what else is going on in the cinema world well he didn't win for best actor he didn't win the oscar for it and i'm shocked after seeing this movie i guess i'll i'll have to be on top of this a bit more when we uh do films like this so as for preconceptions the both of us had none but when you read the case of the dvd it says the robbery should have taken 10 minutes Four hours later, the bank was like a circus sideshow. Eight hours later, it was the hottest thing on live TV. Twelve hours later, it was all history and it's all true. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't watch it from the DVD. Um, There was um, not miscommunication. I was away. I had the DVD. Yeah, I didn't have access to it. When I finally sat down to watch it, I thought it was on Prime, which it is on Prime, but you have to rent it. And I didn't read anything about it. I just was like, okay, I need to watch it right now. So yeah, I I, I literally went into it. No idea. And within the first like three minutes or however many minutes of the film, I was like, oh, they're going to rob a bank. It just starts. I, I liked it. There was no lead up. You don't get introduced to them whatsoever. Slowly, there's character parts about them that get revealed, which is a different way of setting up a film. Because generally, sometimes you, the first three minutes, it's all about this. You need to know about this person. You need to know about this and you need to know about that. Yeah, you did not know the background. It was folding, unfolding as you were watching. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing, I guess, with 
uh, the police officers that are there. They don't really know much about him and things are being revealed slowly. If mm. that, if that, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say because there's a lot of unknown and there's a lot that the audience could fill in the blank for. Why do you think we own this DVD? Because it's a great movie. Mom literally was like, incredible film. She doesn't really remember. She she remembers it being good. good, But past that, no. Yeah. She's like, I don't really remember much of the details, but I remember watching it in theaters and walking away and it being good. So I guess that, yeah, she probably saw it in a bin. It was $7.99. It looked like a Future Shop sticker. Okay. Which would kind of land in that time zone because we've got early millennium and Future Shop is still around. Yep. Yeah. Do you have any trivia for this film? Well, there's tons of trivia if you wanted to go through it. (laughs) There is so much. Did you read any of it? I haven't read any of it. I read the Wikipedia articles on the actual guy. Uh, Apparently, only 30% of the film, according to John, the actual man who robbed the bank, um, 30% of the film is accurate. He also got 1% of the Uh box office cut. So he still kind of did quite well, even though he didn't do very well because he was sentenced to 20 years. He was only in prison for five, got out on bail and then got sentenced again um, for two more years and then another stunt for another year, but then was kind of um, lived on welfare for the rest of his life until he died. Okay. Um. From what I've been reading, there's been a lot of improvisation that happened in the film, but we can discuss that as those parts are coming up. But I think this speaks a lot to um, Al Pacino's uh, acting method, but he reportedly only slept a couple hours a night, ate sparingly. Sometimes take cold showers in order to emphasize Sonny's like disheveled, exhausted, like wired appearance. Because my God, he sold that. I think everyone did. Oh. By the time they reached the end of the film and how sweaty they all yeah. looked and just exhausted, I think they did really great. That goes for all of the extras and the women and whatnot that were held up. But I definitely agree because like he's on screen way more than anyone else. So it's a bit easier for them to um kind of put makeup on for that and whatnot whereas if he's kind of the center of the screen uh it takes more time and effort to not fake that but i guess yeah fake it because essentially he made it real yeah yeah the other thing i don't want to say this movie is funny but my goodness is it funny (laughs) it is a comedy thriller yeah that is what it's taked as (laughs) And I was genuinely laughing out loud at certain situations that were happening. Yeah. So it says in one of the facts, it says the bank manager, Robert um, Barrett, later said he had more laughs in that one night than he had in weeks. And then while one of the tellers said um, if they had been their house guests on a Saturday night, it would have been hilarious. Like it sounds like they I don't want to say they had a good time but they made a good time of it or like they, they made the best of that situation for what everything that was going on. Does it say how long they filmed the film for? Like how much time they spent? Was it over two weeks? I, Cause it seems as though like with them commenting that they no, that's the real people. Oh, gotcha. Like the actual people that were held hostage. Okay made that comment it seems like because those aren't names that are named or listed in this movie anyway yeah okay so the real life situation it wasn't nearly so i guess like it does base it on a true fact of how comical things were actually happening inside yeah there was there was no plan or it felt like there was no plan (laughs) well yeah there there the plan was just to steal the money but then later on when we find out that there's like no money um it all genuinely falls apart yeah uh the projection shoot um production shoot lasted seven weeks seven weeks yeah and cast and crew working day and night okay um 
they make sense. They did a very great job of showing the up above shots between the bank and them, all of the extras that they had, the barbershop scene where it like it starts off simple and then it gets more complicated with the more people that are in there. And then, of course, all the inside shots of the bank. And um, Al Pacino was um, hospitalized short term from exhaustion during the filming of the, all of this. Makes sense. He was probably really busy. Yeah, and he ended up having, he took some time off before he returned um, to stage work. Interesting. I will say that this film is two hours long. It did not feel like two hours. It it did not feel like two hours, and I sat the majority of it with just my mouth hanging open, like, what is going on? <laughs> and just waiting. Um, I will say it never dragged on. But near the end, you realized how long they were in this bank for. Like, we are, are we ever going to leave this bank? Yeah. Okay. I agree with you on that because it got to the point where they were just about to leave and then they don't leave. And, and then I'm just like, okay, are we, are we going are we actually, to leave? are we going to make it out? Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you on that. It, but then I, it also does a great job of storytelling that you're now as the audience member feeling for those people who oh. have been locked inside. Yeah. So like that parallel is perfect. But I definitely agree. That is the only moment where I was like, okay, let's move the story along. But that's not fair. No, it didn't drag. Like, I never felt like, oh, my goodness. Like, when is this going to end? It was just like, oh, they're finally making. Oh, no, they're not making it. Okay. okay. <laughs> like, you're a bit stressed for them. And that's, like, where the thriller yeah. part comes in. Because I think that was, like, the thriller part is you're trying to figure out, well, what's going to happen next? And you can't even guess what's going to happen next. Because no. he doesn't know what's no, going to happen yeah. next. But I think we should just quickly just jump into the film because there is a lot to go over and a lot to dissect. I think this is one of the first films where it's not necessarily going shot by shot that we would be typically doing. But I think there are some scenes where like shot by shot, I took notes and I was like, whoa, the way that uh, the... I guess director had captured these moments and then it was edited together, made me feel a specific way, which I haven't really felt in all of the other films that we um, had watched previously. So I think like those kind of details might come up a bit more this time. Yes. We own this full screen or widescreen. Uh, you get options. You oh, get full screen and widescreen. That's nice. And as for bonus features, there wasn't any bonus features. I'm not really surprised because of the age of the film. So you get um, this little click thing that says cast and you can read through uh, their, what they've chosen to, I can't think of the word, um, showcase. Okay. You can read through what they choose to showcase factoids about the actors. One of them I thought was really crazy was the FBI agent. His last name is Broderick. That is Matthew Broderick's dad. Oh. Yeah, but they don't look like. Like, okay. So I didn't, well, they might, but like what I looked at, I didn't really notice. So, but anyways. All right. Estimated $1.8 million to film this. Okay. And it made... 50 million. If you don't want this movie spoiled for you and you want to watch it, I say stop the podcast and watch it. Appreciate listening up to this point, but this is an incredible film and I think that it is worth the watch. So disclaimer, if you need to pause or you need to come back to this podcast or you just want to watch it without ha having us spoil anything, go watch it. Yeah, because there's definitely spoilers for the end. I would say everything else about it is pretty like easygoing. That is just comical. Like we're revealing comical events that happened and other things. But I definitely, yeah, I agree. Getting to take this in as a viewer and experience this film through the film medium rather than us would be way better rather than us just spoiling it. Yeah. Al Pacino first heard about the incident upon which the film is based on when it actually was taking place. He was later bemused by reports after the event that the lead participant, participant would make 
a great role for him. Huh. So he heard it on the news and was like, this would be a good story. Interesting. If you look at a picture of the real guy who did it, John, uh, they kind of look alike, but I mean, I get it. They're going to make him up kind of look similar, but it's the hair that they did very well um, for Al Pacino versus John. The little scraggly black. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we should finally jump into the film. Let's do it. Okay. So it starts out with August 22nd, 1972. And basically it's telling the viewer right away that this This is based on a true story. I will say this is a very difficult or was a very difficult movie to take notes for. Because one hadn't seen it before. Didn't know what I was walking into. And didn't know what was important. And you can tell, I don't want to say it was very sporadic the way the story was being told or how it was unfolding, but it was just so all over the place. And it was like, wait, is this important? Like, did this really happen? Um, So I ended up, my notes are very like cataloged by um, the movements inside the bank is how I took my notes. Okay. I took notes. I think this is like one of the note heaviest I've been in a really long time. I mean, don't get me wrong. Last week doing Aaron Brockovich, I was quite note heavy as well, but I think it was just really wanting to get specific details correct. And having seen it it might've been a little bit easier to kind of glaze over as well for me, whereas it was your first time. So I know it was a bit difficult, but this one, yeah, I definitely agree. Like there's a lot of jumping around and you're trying to figure out, is this relevant? Do I need to know this piece of information? Am I trying to guess what's happening next? And then suddenly realizing after the third time you're trying to guess what's happening, you're not going to be able to because he can't figure out what he's going to be doing next. So what's the point as the viewer trying to guess? Yeah. Okay. You start off the film with these juxtaposed scenes of the rich having fun, having money, doing whatever they want versus the poor. There is so much trash on the street. There are people sleeping on the street. You're setting up the 1970s, which uh, I'm not very familiar with the 1972 era. It's not even an era, but the year. If there was a recession happening, but I definitely know Life in New York and the surrounding area, this is Brooklyn, I believe, was very rough for a lot of people. Uh, There was a lot of drugs. There was a lot of crime. The graffiti era comes out of the 1970s. I know this thanks to my graffiti class, but I just know for a fact that the 70s was a rough time to live in New York City. And I think, again, it comes down to there was a class discrepancy. You have very rich people who are able to do a lot of things that are making a lot of money off of everyday things such as oil, steel, like those types of companies, they're booming. And then you have everyone else who's a working class that is working really hard and not able to. And immediately I was like, oh, this is going to be a class warfare film. Like, I kind of was misled a bit, but I understood like they're setting up the fact that people are poor and people are going to be desperate to do things that they need to do in order to get money and food on the table. Yeah. I guess after that, the them pulling up to the bank car scene, the the most notable thing, and it's something that carries on throughout the rest of the film, is... There's not a lot of talking, the lack of dialogue. It's very visual of them pulling up to the bank. Then one of like, there is whispering at the beginning. So there is some sort of dialogue going on, but they, they're not communicating it to the audience. It's just for their ears only. And then like one goes in the bank, the other goes in the bank. And then finally, the last one goes into the bank. Yeah. That whispering though is meant not to be audible yes. whatsoever. Yeah, no, I I agree, yeah. but but even carrying forward, it's such a a visual film in the way that it's being told and it allows for a lot of space to 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 breathe or there's there's not so much noise. Yeah, and the other thing that I appreciate too is they did a lot of wide shots for this. Mm -hmm. And so you get to kind of see everything that is happening around them as they're getting set up to put, go in, put, 
to go into the bank mm-hmm. slowly one by one as they're like going in. And I definitely agree. Like there was this air of like, okay, it's, it's hot. They're definitely going to be dealing with a lot of heat and, but like, and the, the way that you like could see the teller set up and the bank manager, um, like they, they didn't just keep it focused on the actors going into the building. They try to show like, this is everyone in this space. Mm-hmm. So one guy goes in with a briefcase, the next guy with a long white box with a bow. It's blue. Not that that matters, but I remember that. And the bank is closed and the third... So the bank gets closed by the gentleman who locks the door. He's kind of acting as security. And the third guy steps up and he gets let in by the guy. And now the first guy with the briefcase dips. He bails. No, not the briefcase guy. Oh, it's not a briefcase guy? No, that's Sal. Oh, that's Sal. Okay. Yeah. Um, he has his gun aimed at the bank manager who is on the phone at the time. Right. Yes. The third guy has bad vibes and he's like, nope, he's freaking out. And he decides to leave. Yeah, he's like, I want out. And then they convince the the man that's in charge of the door to unlock and let him go. Mm-hmm. Which I'm curious to know what happened to him, IRL. Yeah, I there's like no mention like his name is cited, but there's no mention that he was charged with anything. Okay. So Sonny, our main character in this film, we don't know his name at the moment. We don't know any of their it's it's like 20 minutes in when you finally hear hear their names. But uh, Sonny, he pulls his gun and it's officially announced that he is robbing the uh, the bike, the bank. But the unboxing of the gun it's just like over the top he's has this long white box with this blue bow on it and he's just trying desperately to rip this box off and the bow is getting tangled the way that it's tied up and he's just everyone's just kind of like waiting yeah it they're they're (laughs) standing around waiting for something to happen and then because he's so bad at handling the situation they're like Oh, you want to rob us? I see. <laughs> so, like, there's some, like, this is like the first part of the comedy that starts. Yeah. And they kind of like not, not talk back to him, but they're like, oh, okay. Um, Cause my next note is this isn't going to plan. <laughs> uh, while Stevie, so Stevie's the third guy that they, yeah, he leaves, he warns that there is a girl under the desk. And so they find the girl who's under the desk and they get her because she was hiding. Um, And he announces, we're going to get this done in a half hour. No alarms, open the safe and vault. And I mean, by reading, so the robbery should have taken 10 minutes, four hours later, the bank, et cetera. That was actually on the poster. So people knew going in. Also, it's 1970. Five. It's three years after this had happened. I'm pretty sure you know. That. And like news report wise, you have heard it. It wasn't going to take 30 minutes. You can tell that he, as much as I'm saying he didn't have a plan or is just kind of going about it, he had direction because he had his spray paint that he blocked out the cameras. He was very familiar with the bank. He knew the right questions to ask, he knew the right things to look out for. Um, but unfortunately, when he hands the garbage bag for them to put the money into in the big vault, how much money is in the vault? $1,100. That's it. That's all that's there. And she just breaks down crying because she feels so, so bad, bad that she can't give him more money. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? And she's just like, the money got picked up this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he's just like standing around and and like the look on his face is like, oh, fuck. Like I've gone myself into this. My plan was just they were their plan was to steal about one hundred fifty thousand to two hundred thousand dollars, about a million dollars worth of cash at that time. And to now all of a sudden go through all of that for, yeah, eleven hundred dollars. He's just like, okay, 
I don't know. Like he, he's like, I've got a plan, but you can see it in his face of like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do Do now. Like this wasn't, this wasn't a part of that plan. Um, he ends up because there's a large lack of money in the vault. He starts going through like the teller's registers. Um, again, he still knows what to look out. Like these are, these are marked bills. I'm not going to take them. He, um, asks for the traveler's check. He asks for the registry or the register. Um, and he, Lights it on fire, which unfortunately, um, because of the smoke, it drew attention from people outside looking in. And the insurance man from across the street was curious to make sure everything was okay. And he comes to the door um, and Sonny convinces the bank manager to go and tell him to leave, which he does. And the insurance guy leaves. I wonder if they were all quite calm in a way. Like they were scared, but they were calm. Like the bank manager kind of felt calm because they knew that there wasn't a lot of money. But I also wonder, and I get it too, because like there wasn't a lot of money. And why would he kill anyone in this situation? He's better off just going to jail for armed robbery and not stealing anything rather than going for death. Yeah. Yeah, So I think in some situations they were probably okay. Like as crazy as he is, we're probably safe. Yeah. I'd agree. Um, I'm also not going to disregard the fact that they, they could have been terribly scared the entire time, but then there are reports that they kind of had a fun night. So I'm not too sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, he gets them all to stand in the, or he's going to say, he says he's going to put them all in the vault. And this is when he's planning on leaving. Basically he, he burnt the book. He got the insurance man to leave and then he's going to lock them all in the vault. But then someone says they have to go to the bathroom and that's a whole ordeal. And then there you say, oh, we'll go one at a time. So he starts to bring them over and they discover there's another girl in the bathroom. Maria yeah. gets discovered. Yeah, Maria's in the bathroom. So she gets brought out. And then he starts to panic. So he gives them a garbage bin or a waste bin and says, this is your bathroom. And then he's about to close the door. And someone's like, we can't breathe in here. Um, and the the gentleman who was in charge of locking up the door is... I was like, oh my goodness, he's in shock. But it wasn't shock. He is asthmatic. Yes, asthmatic. But the phone rings and it's for Sonny and the police are on their way. Yes. Yeah. They've been caught and the police have shown up. Yeah. I said, cops are here. (laughs) And Sonny wants to know why they've been caught. He's like thinking in his head, he's like, no one triggered alarms. Like, why do people know? And the the tellers, like everyone in the bank are just absolutely roasting Sonny for like, they're like, what are you doing? You didn't have a plan. You came in here. You're locking us in the vault. Like, what is going on? What did you think was going to happen? And Sonny retorts and says, he's just been told the wrong plan. So then me as the viewer was like, I was like, oh, there's someone else. Yeah. That's what I thought as well. But he just played me because he played, he was trying to make himself feel better by playing all of them. Yeah. Uh, a phone rings oh and gosh. it's the husband for Jenny <laughs> wants to know when uh, she'll be coming home. And, and okay, immediately. And okay, it, it phones. When is she coming home? It cuts away to something else. And the person I was watching it goes, husband wants to know when dinner's going to be ready. And then they cut back. And that is exactly. <laughs> she's like, oh, you can just like just pull something out of the fridge and heat it up. <laughs> um. And wants to know when Sunny will be done. Done, yeah. Done. She, she asked, yeah. She asked, like, how long are you going to be? <laughs> uh, tons of police are showing up. There are tons of police officers, like busloads of police officers showing up. Yeah. And Sal wants to know if Sunny is serious about throwing bodies out the front. Sal's actually, like, now starting to panic because... Sonny has been threatening a whole bunch of things. And Sal's like, I I didn't sign up for this. I thought it was just a quick in and out grab. And you can clearly see he does not want to kill anyone. He's like, oh, what did I get myself into? Yeah. Sonny thinks of a way out and it's just to cooperate. We'll do things together. And 
He really like, he reasons with a bank manager, and the the bank manager is like kind of coaching him through it as well. <laughs> like, oh yeah. So the next thing that happens is the door guy has asthma, and he's really start not not doing well, which we had already mentioned, and. Sonny wants the back door blocked. Apparently it is what you were thinking. Of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he, like, they go back and they have a conversation. They're moving things around. Um, like Sonny is trying to explain why he's doing this. And the bank manager is like, oh, okay. Like makes like, I understand why are you doing this? Or like why you need the money. Yeah. Um, and they're also kind of getting information out of each other because Sonny also asked like, oh, do you have any like kids? Do you have a husband? He's like, yeah, I have two kids and I have a wife at home and um, kind of like. Oh, what is it called when you are it's not personifying, but you are exaggerating? No, like putting putting a personality on someone. And so you're kind of making them level to you. So not like when you like kind of when you have empathy for someone. So you're like, I was literally going to say you just explained empathy. <laughs> um, but I guess like humanizing that person. Yeah, I, I just think they were like they were reasoning with each other. OK, I can't think of that word, but there is a specific word. It's been a long day, everyone. It's been um, a very long day. <laughs> he ends up talking to the cop. Well, FBI now have shown, shown up. up. But the FBI do not engage for a really long time, which I was confused with. Yeah, I am too. I thought, oh, they've showed up. They're now going to take over. I figured, but I'm also wondering if FBI didn't want to get involved because they figured like, okay, let's see how this pans out. And then if it's starting to go sideways, we'll get involved. Um, so helicopters are starting and now a bunch of reporters have uh, shown up. Yep. They're all let through and they're setting up to uh, take advantage of a close seat to what's happening in front of them, basically. The cops now take over the barbershop yep. and it's a direct line. So now like he can call the bank and Sonny can call the every barbershop. Time, yeah, every time he picks up the phone, it's you can't dial anywhere. It just is straight to that, this direct line. So... He calls the bank and is asking who's in there. This is the cop. And Sonny mentions Salvatore. He's a Vietnam vet. I'm really curious because it is true that John, the real guy who robbed the bank, was a part of Vietnam. If there is any PTSD happening and how angry he is with society when he's come home that he's been like a military vet and the way that he's kind of treated in society and has no money. Could be. I really kind of was like, okay, again, as we've like discussed previously, like Vietnam is a bit unknown to us because it's not something that we've studied, but just like humanitarian, like mental health wise, what it has done. To exactly. You. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. I would disagree. So cop wants someone out of the building. And this is when they've agreed to let the doorman out. But and the cop says, could you at least let the woman go? And he said, I'll, he, he didn't say, yes, I'll let the woman go. He just said, yep, I'll send one out. Not specifying. He didn't mean I'll send one woman out. And this is important. Because of what happens. <laughs> That's true. Okay. I missed that part. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, yeah. I'll let one out. I'll let one out. Okay. Th That's actually quite clever. I did miss that because what we have failed to mention to you as the audience who might not have seen this, the doorman is a black guy. Yes. And so when he leaves the building who has asthma and man, he does not look good. They jump him yeah, and they, they put him in handcuffs. Him, yeah, and they pull him off to the side. And when this is the other important thing is it's Sylvia, who is one of the tellers, goes outside with or like opens because now the key for the door that they sent the doorman out. So now the person who has the key was Sylvia. <laughs> so Sylvia opens the door for Sonny and the doorman to go out. They tackle the doorman and now Sonny is standing out there. Sylvia's in the door with the key. This is like where there's comedy about. Um, and then Sylvia's like, like, stop. Like, 
we're setting him free. Like, please, like, he's not the person. Like, this is the person. Like, what are you doing? Leave him be, leave him be. Like, we're fine. We're safe. We're not safe, but like, we're alive. Um, please help the man. And then Sonny's yelling back and the cop's yelling back. Like, what, like, you said it was a woman. Like, what are you doing? So they're just yelling. And um, Sonny and the cop are arguing. And while all that is happening, Sylvia's doing an interview. Yeah. The reporters are like hanging yeah. off the side and they're asking her questions and she's doing an interview while this exchange is all happening. <laughs> yeah. And oh, I also need to say, yep, really important because this is important. This is when the line about Attica. So this is Sunny's first time stepping outside of the building and seeing all the crowds with of people. Yeah, okay. So he sees like he sees all the crowds, he sees all like how much reinforcement or law enforcement has been brought in on the situation. And then he's trying to explain why he is doing this like i am a i was gonna say blue collar but like a low he's low class low class citizen like i'm i i'm doing this so i can we find out why he's doing it later on but like it's a, the assumption is so that he can put food on a table so that he can afford um his life or his family um but he yells attica which was improvised. It was not written. So when the crowd turned into an uproar about him yelling Attica, like that was not planned for the 300 somewhat plus extras to go crazy over it. So this did not happen in the actual story. Okay. Yeah. So this was improvised and um, it's like, um, all Al Pacino's now legendary shouting to the crowd, Attica, Attica, was an improvisation. Um, he credits the assistant director for giving him the idea. So, yeah. And I looked up Attica afterwards. I had no idea what it was, but it was a huge prison riot in uh, a year earlier from this event. So in 1971, um, where prison... The prisoners had held a whole bunch of staff hostage and it was the large or the highest number of fatalities um, in the history of you, the United States prison. And it was 43 men who had died, 33 inmates and 10 um, like officers and um, employees. Um, and that the reason they held the staff hostage is because they were, they were fighting for better rights within the prison. They had, a whole bunch of demands and the authorities agreed to 28 of the prisoners demands. Um, yes. And many of them centraled around, um, just like living conditions in the prison. That's interesting. So now the news media has this all over the place and his mom and I put dad question mark. It's definitely confirmed later on in the film that it's dad, um, are at home. They're finding out about Sonny and, um, She's not happy. He's not happy. And John claims that this did not necessarily happen because his mom shows up later on, which we'll talk about, but she never truly showed up to the scene. Okay. Yeah. He ends up doing um, an interview with the television explaining what's, what's happening inside the prison and what's going on, but he gets cut quickly because he uses language that can't be aired. Yeah. And, but he, and he calls out the interviewer being like, look at you sitting all high and mighty. And yeah, because the interviewer says, why are you doing this? Couldn't you get a job? He's then asking him about money and Sonny just throws it back to him. He's just like, well, what are you getting paid? Because like Sonny then just starts asking other people, like, is what you are doing worth what you are getting paid? Yeah. And yeah, so the interview ultimately ends due to his profanity. Sal talks to Sonny. We might get a deal if we get the FBI involved yeah. because now Sal is just like, he I <laughs> don't want any part of this. I don't want to be killed. I don't want to do any killing. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he promised Sal that it would be a clean break or they'd kill themselves. Yeah. Is what he. And Sal doesn't want to go back to prison. Yeah. Sonny suggests escaping and 
Like, where do you want to, we will get, we'll get the FBI involved. We'll negotiate. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get a jet. We'll get a helicopter out of here. Where do you want to go? We can go anywhere. We can go to whatever country you want. Sal says. Can't remember. You don't Wichita? remember? Wichita? No, Wyoming. Wyoming. I knew it was a he, W. He but says, I, he says Wyoming. We can escape the country. And then he says. What country would you like to go to? And Sal goes. Wyoming. <laughs> which was improvised. No. Yeah. Oh so my it's God. genuine like, what? <laughs> On um, Al, Pacino's. Al Pacino's face when he gets that answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, Sonny convinces that we've been looking at this all wrong, yeah. that this is all about the money. They, as in the FBI and the cops, can give in to our demands. So he's just like, okay, scratch this. We're not, we're clearly not going to get any money. Let's just, you know, find an escape. We don't need to do prison time and they can give in to what we want. So Sonny calls the cat, uh, the cops. Yeah. Um, and if they leave, there's no coming back. Yeah. He ends up back outside. The crowd absolutely loves him. Yeah, he's cheered for. Um, but this is when he, uh, Maria's boyfriend, husband, fiance, whoever, mm -hmm. partner, runs up and tackles Sonny. And they pull this man off of Sonny. Don't touch Sonny at all. <laughs> they pull this man off of Sonny and arrest this man for tackling Sonny. And Sonny is untouched. I know. It's like watching a comedy of errors. Yeah. Unfold. It's, it's fascinating. <laughs> like Shakespeare's play, The Comedy of Errors. Like that's literally what's happening. Everything that is happening, you're just watching and being like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> um, this is when he asks for a helicopter. The cop says, I have to speak to my, like, my supervisor, my superior. And Sonny's like, well... Well, why, why not? Why do I have to talk to you then? Why can't I just talk to them directly? Like, what are you doing here? You're not the person I want to speak to. Um, and then he also asks, Sonny asks um, for his wife, which is when we, which is a trade for hostages, he says. Yes. And then this is when we cut to, we, do we meet the wife and we see the family? Yeah, we the do. Kids. Which did you notice that she's actually on one of the very first scenes? Oh, I didn't. Okay, I so the juxtaposition scenes of them flashing back and forth, there's a scene of her walking the two little kids on the okay. street, okay. which all of a sudden I was like, oh, it's a callback, but didn't realize it was a callback. I thought she just was a stranger on the... So you wouldn't know that unless you just were... You picked up that tiny little detail. Yeah. Um, She's going on and on and on oh, wow. about the story. She Lost me. Because I didn't have subtitles on. I didn't see if I could do subtitles on it. I just was like, it's 1970. I'm assuming I can't. And she's, she just claims that he didn't do it. Yeah, she just goes off. She keeps like talking in a circle in a loop. And there's crying kids about. And I, I literally didn't even write a note about this. This is <laughs> off of memory. Um, we eventually do go back to the bank. Um, and then the women are all hanging out together. together. But there's now no more AC. Mm -hmm. They've cut the AC. So it's really hot. And Sunny asks, like, where is AC located? Can we go down there? And it's in the basement. So they head back to the basement and they can hear them trying to break in through the back door where the basement area is or where the door led to the, leads to the basement, which is when he fires his gun to scare the people who are trying to break in off which causes a panic inside and outside for obvious reasons and this is when he yells at everyone to go into the vault so they all scurry into the vault um and sunny calls out the cop for lying about the people like like what are you what are you doing you said you weren't trying to come in like you, you said you're gonna back off um you're lying to me. Like you're, you're telling me people aren't trying to come in, but I can hear them in the back. So then this is when he starts making more demands. I just want to back you up yeah. because I think the scene when the gun goes off and everyone is scampering around and whatnot, 
and then people just throwing themselves everywhere to get out of the way was one of my favorite scenes. And I was laughing through this entire scene because it genuinely was so funny that you have about 250 armed men who immediately like back down. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And you also have like this crowd that is just like so up close, like it seems as though no one's really afraid of him. And all of a sudden and then like, they realize the danger. Yeah, exactly. And I did think like the quick cuts of all the scenes that were happening inside, outside, inside, back inside, and then like running around was so amazing and really thrilling to watch because you're now being like, okay, now he kind of is a bit serious. Like this, at this moment is kind of where everything changes and things become a bit more serious. When he does talk to the cop, he demands for food for the people. And this, when he, this is, this is the money part. So he demands for food, pizza shows up. And when the pizza guy arrives, he hands money to the pizza and the pizza guy's like, oh no, like this is already paid for. And he's like, no, no. And he like puts it in his pocket. And then he's like, y'all want this? And that's when he starts throwing money all about, which had, and then people are running up again. No one's touching Sonny. And it goes to show like this now is no longer about the money. He does not care anymore. It is so far past what this first became and was going to be. That is just like, what can I do with $1,100? I'll give it away to the people who are standing around watching. An important thing to note, though, I will say, because I, I think it's strange that they're letting Sonny come out and no one's going after him. No one's trying to harm him or take him away. Sonny repeatedly kept saying, Sal is in there and Sal's a killer. So if anything happens to me, Sal is just going to kill everyone in there. Which is false. Mm-hmm. But we as the people who are inside the bank can see that. Them on the outside do not see that. And this is important for later on. Yeah. There's obviously there's unrest, unrest and pushing and shoving when um, they're throwing out the, the, the money around, like there's upset in the crowd. Uh, when we Sunny goes back in, there's like a cut to, and this is like, again, I thought this was funny of them in the bank. They're all sweltering hot in there, but that one teller is like practicing twirling the gun. Like she has Sonny's gun and like he's showing her like, oh, this is how you do it. And she's like practicing swinging it around and like twirling it over. Like, wow. (laughs) Like that is the that is the the vibe that they've created inside this this bank. Yeah. And then there's a quick kind of conversation that um, about having a smoke. And then Sal doesn't um, smoke because he doesn't want cancer. And then she points out, but you'll rob a bank. And I kind of think it goes into the fact that he's actually afraid of dying. Like there's a lot of things that he won't do because he's kind of afraid of putting himself into jeopardy. But then I think it's hard because Sonny basically has convinced him like, we'll do this one job and you'll live a great life, which is hard when you're kind of living in a, like, think of it, you're in a bad situation and one person tells you this is your way out. Yeah. Yeah. So of course he's going to follow this. Um, And a little bit of irony because the man who played Sal actually was a really bad smoker. He ended up getting lung cancer and did die in 1996 or seven. Yeah, three years after the movie. Yeah. So unfortunately, what he said kind of came true for him. This is when we meet Sonny's wife, Leon. Mm-hmm. Um, and you find out what the money or the reason Sonny is doing this. One of the main reasons. reasons. Yeah. Um, and it's to get money for Leon to have um, surgery um, because they are a transgender fee or they, yeah, or would like to transition to a female. Yes. Which I, I thought was really interesting to see in a movie because this is not a common thing that you would see in a movie. Yes, obviously this is based off of a true story. And Leon did exist um, and they did transition. Like we at the very end, we find out that um, they had surgery and they ended up transitioning. Um, But I did not expect it. The news 
was shitty while reporting on Sonny's wife's gender. That's all I'm going to say. And it was really frustrating. And they really upset Sonny by the words that they used to televise because they were trying to turn Sonny into something else. And it also irritated Sal because they said that there are two homosexuals in the building and those were the two bank robbers. And Sal was like, that is not me. And Sal in the future made sure to clarify to the FBI, I am not. Um, so annoying how media reports, but they cut out the lights. They're in the dark. And now um, the cop is no longer in charge. It's the FBI. No more favors. They want the hostage hostages. Yeah. Sonny tells the agent the deal. He wants to see the hostages. Um, I can't say that word, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, the FBI wants to see them. Sonny checks out the FBI, uh, fills them up. That's wrong. Sorry. He like checks to make sure that he's not armed. Yeah. <laughs> Sal has a gun aimed at him and the women are asking um, where the jet is. It's been hours because like time has passed. Yeah. They're hot in there. They're getting sweatier. They're, they're hungry still. Like they, they want out. Yeah. Um, this is when you find out uh, Mulroney. So he's the bank manager is diabetic and he had a can of Coke um, when they got like the pizza and the pop and he is not looking good. So they have a phone call with Leon to try and get a like a doctor is there a doctor in the crowd to come and help um the doctor does come in and looks at the bank teller and it's like i would like to take him out he needs to like go for medical treatment and he opts to stay yes because i feel as though these are his employees Employees, and so if anything that's going to happen, it's going to happen to him. He's the one who's truly responsible for them. Oh, I'm sorry. I said he had a phone call with Leon. He had a phone call with the FBI. Yes. Yeah. Um, about the, the whole doctor yeah. thing. Anyways, the FBI gets Leon to call back or to call South. South. Not, no, sorry. No, sorry. Sunny. Sunny. They finally have a conversation because Leon was refusing to talk to Sunny. Um, they have a phone call that they shot in one cut and apparently it was perfect the first time they shot it and they made um, them do it again because they wanted um, Al Pacino to be even more irritable on the phone and exhausted having that phone call a second time. So we got the second cut. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, he Sonny figures out while he's talking on the phone with Leon that everyone like everyone is listening to their conversation. It's not a private conversation. And now he wants to talk to, to his wife and kids. kids. Yeah. And they're just yelling. <laughs> That's all I said. Wants to talk to wife, but now they're just yelling. <laughs> yeah. And he's hurt her. How does she feel marrying another man? Yeah, and then he hangs up. Yeah. Doctor says he needs to check him in. Now remove uh, that. Yeah. The mother shows up, which you said didn't happen IRL, but the mom shows up and says some words, but not much happens there. He mentions the Vietnam War again, which yeah. again, I think is prevalent, but it's, there's so much going on. It's probably not something that could be like divest, um, go deeper into. Um, and she mentioned that like, this isn't sunny. It's the pressures of doing this to him. Yeah. And dad has given up on him. And then we go back into the bank. And Sonny's writing a will? Yeah, he's writing a note, his final wishes of like where his money is going. Um, And he leaves some for Leon. uh, Money for his wife and kids. And the only woman he loved, he says. And he wants forgiveness from his mother. You don't understand, and I'm different, basically. He wants a military funeral at, that he states that he is entitled, entitled to. to. Yeah. Um, a limo shows finally, up. Finally, and there's, like, this weird scene with, like, there's a driver, and he's like, I want you. No, he, you're not supposed to be the driver, but I want you. And then the guy finally agrees, and he's like, wait, I don't actually want you. I want the other guy. 
So they have a driver. He checks out the vehicle. He checks out the driver. All looks good. He gets everyone to get their things, get out of the building. They come out in this Swarm. circle formation where they're all connected and they they shuffle out together up to the car. They touch the car and then they they they're like, OK, like three, two, one. We're all going to let go and we're going to get into this vehicle so quickly. Amazing. This and was choreographed so well. <laughs> beautifully done. Um, they get into the car. The driver tells Sal, keep your gun pointed up. If you keep it on my head, we go over speed bump. It could go off. And Sal listens. Yeah, but he kind of keeps forgetting. And then the driver keeps reminding him, him gun, to... Gun yeah. up, Sal. Like, gun up, Sal. Um, and then they get to the airport. Okay, <sighs> I, after flying five planes this weekend... Yeah. Um... When the plane went forward, I thought it was going to get stuck. And then I was like, well, planes can't back up. So how are they going to? I literally was thinking that. Con- concerned about the plane. Yeah. <laughs> um, the movie ends pretty quickly here. They get to the airport and um, Sal is reminded one more time to keep that gun pointed up while they're getting out of the vehicle. And the driver had a has a gun hidden in a compartment and he shoots back at Sal, kills Sal, and everyone gets out of the vehicle and Sonny is arrested. Mm-hmm. So Sonny is 20 years in federal prison, but this obviously changes because this happened, the film happened three years after what had happened. Yeah. So then it's not true. It's five years that he ended up. Um, wife ends up on welfare, which eventually Sonny also ends up on welfare. Leon becomes a woman. And this film was actually based on a magazine article. There was actually truly nothing more about this. Oh, interesting. Okay. The reason why I also think this is interesting based on a magazine article, June 1st, 1980 was when CNN was established. This was pre-news outlets being able to report stuff 24-7. I don't know. There could have been another news brand that we know. Nope. CNN was the very first news station that I know this because of a child falling in a well. And that was their big kickoff. (laughs) I know this. I don't know where I studied this, but this came in. Oh, but anyways, that's the film. Let's jump into ratings. I have story five out of five. Okay. It was beautifully done. I just shot wise, dialogue wise, acting wise, film wise. Five out of five. I gave it 4.25. I definitely agree that I think there was maybe a little like things that they I could have gone with a little bit more. I could have gone with subtitles. It's my own fault for not asking for subtitles and like looking, but whatever. I can't fault it. I, I had subtitles, so oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> Music. Um, I gave it a four. It wasn't distracting. It was good. Like I don't have like it. It aided in the film, if anything. Okay, so there wasn't much music. No. There was music at the beginning and music at the credits. I gave it 3.5 out of 5 because I found that the sound mixing, maybe to the fault of the DVD, huh. was a bit off. There was times where I had to have it up to 30, and then there was times I had to have it down to 12. I didn't have any of those issues. Yeah. Uh, scenes and locations. Four. I gave it a 4.5. I think the editing of this was phenomenal. I think there was shots, shots the layout, yeah. the coloring, the old film graininess. I was like, this is beautiful. Overall score? Uh, 8.66. I have 8.16. IMDb has it 8 out of 10. Okay. Go watch this film. I definitely agree. Watch this film. Does this film belong in our collection? Yes hands down i don't know if i would ever reach out to watch it again anytime soon but it's something that if no one has watched it and i have it i will lend it to someone and yeah. they can watch it yeah watch it good film okay are you ready to pull the next film i am are you yeah we've had some really good films back to back so i'm i know there's a lot that could not okay okay <gasps> what is it the illusionist the illusionist okay so i don't remember who's in that one versus the prestige but uh, we will find (laughs) next out we will find out next week who is in the illusionist yeah and what the storyline of the illusionist is to separate in our minds (laughs) from the prestige because those two are the same movie i don't think that's gonna happen because when the prestige comes up i'm probably gonna be like so which one is it (laughs) because it might be five years from now we never know but uh, that's kind of wraps up the end of the podcast. So thank you so much for downloading. All of our links are in the show notes. If you want to give us a follow on any of those, that'd be much appreciated. But until then, 
if you haven't watched this film, watch it. Yes. And if you want to watch next week's film, which is The Illusionist, you're more than welcome to. But until then, have a great week. Take care, everyone. Bye.